During isolation, I did what I've seen so many people doing on social media. I went and bought a puzzle. And very quickly, I realized that a thousand pieces is a lot of puzzle. So I did what every millennial does when they're faced with an issue of this magnitude. I asked a question on Instagram. And so many people responded and they said different things like, you know, start with all the edge pieces. They said things like, make sure that you group your colors together, line your vertical pieces up and your horizontal pieces up and then make a group uh, or a, a block for all the pieces that you don't know where they fit. People said things like, make sure that you have good proper lighting, have an ergonomic chair, put something underneath the puzzle so you can move it. They said things like, get tea. Someone even messaged me and said, I don't know, I like puzzles. I don't even know anything about puzzles. I just like helping. And so here's some advice. And the thing that's true for all of us at the moment, whether you love puzzles, whether you hate puzzles, whether you're a Jesus follower, or whether you're not even sure how you stumbled across this video or why you're watching right now, is that we're all trying to figure things out. So much has changed in the world recently, and so much is changing in the world right now that we're all just trying to do our best to figure it out. Maybe for you, some of the things you're trying to figure out is, is how do you homeschool your kids? Maybe what you're trying to figure out is how do, what's my next bribe so that I can get them to do just 10 minutes more of maths. Maybe for you, you're trying to figure out, well, how do I pay the rent or, or how do I survive on less income or one income or what are the things that we really need at the moment so that we can make our finances work? Maybe for you, what you're trying to figure out at the moment is something completely different. You're trying to figure out how to work from home with the distraction of Netflix calling your name. But maybe for you trying to figure out how do I study from home? How do I do my assignments from home? How do I do uni or school from home? How do I connect with my friends when I can't see them face to face? So much is changing and every single one of us is doing the best that we can to try and figure it out. Maybe one of the questions you've been asking throughout this time or one of the things you've been trying to figure out is this thing called faith. Whatever that means for you or whatever that looks like, it's often something that we glaze over during the course of normal life. You know, there's always that next friend to meet with, that appointment to get to, that assignment to get to. But now in times of crisis, now in times where the world is really changing, it forces us to reevaluate and begin to really think about maybe some of the positions that we've held on issues in the past. And maybe you've even asked the question, is there something to faith? whatever faith means or whatever faith looks like, but maybe you're feeling, maybe you're sensing, or maybe you're wondering at this point in time, is there something more to life than just this life? And if you've asked that question, I think you're going to find this entire series or this entire conversation we're going to have for the next couple of weeks really, really helpful. In fact, we've called this series Figuring Faith Out because something we believe here at Beyond is that figuring faith out helps you figure life out. Now, before you roll your eyes and you're kind of like, oh, great, here's this Christian going to lecture me for five weeks on why my life is wrong and why they're right. I want to let you know that that's not the case at all. In fact, something that I, I know about you, even though we've maybe never even met, is that the way in which you view the world makes sense to you. Otherwise, you'd view the world differently, right? Because you're smart. If, you, if the way you viewed the world didn't make sense, you change the way in which you think about the world. And so all I want to do and all we want to do throughout this series is just simply add a category to your thinking. What I want to give you a glimpse of is the way in which Jesus followers for centuries have been figuring faith out and figuring life out. Now, if you're new to the whole faith conversation, you might not know that what 
Christians actually believe is that humanity's problems began when we quit trusting God. The entire Old Testament and the entire New Testament, all of the documents that are compiled together into what Christians call the Bible, is really God inviting humanity back into a trusting relationship with him. So really at the end of the day, if you're someone who's trying to figure faith out, if you're someone who's got questions about faith, if you're someone who's not sure what you believe or, or how this whole God thing figures out, the reason that you're not a Jesus follower, the reason that you haven't put your trust in God is a faith issue. It's, do I believe this stuff? Can I really trust God? Really the reason you doubt, really the reason that you haven't got it all figured out and you don't feel like you've got it all figured out is because you don't know if you have enough faith in God. Maybe you might think to yourself, well, yeah, okay, maybe that's it, Chris. But what would God do about that? And how would God help me navigate this? Well, here's what I believe is that God actually wants to blow your faith up. God actually wants you to have big faith. God actually wants you to have huge levels of trust in him, huge levels of confidence in him. God wants a relationship with you that is characterized by God. I don't know if I can see you moving, but I trust you're moving. God, I'm not sure where you're leading me, but I trust that where you're leading me is somewhere that I want to be. God, I don't really understand that decision. God, I'm not sure if you answer that prayer, but I trust that you're hearing it. And I trust that you have my best intentions at heart. Now, there's a really cool part in Jesus's life that a tax collector called Matthew documents in his biography on the life of Jesus that has survived antiquity that we have. And in the part of this biography that we're going to look at right now, Matthew documents two accounts of people's faith. And one of them's interesting, but it's the second one that I really want us to focus on because it's the only time in history that I'm aware of that Jesus is amazed at someone's faith. Could you, could you imagine that? Could you imagine being the person that could go around and say, you know what? My faith amazed Jesus. This is how Matthew writes. Let, let me read the story to you. It says, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down from the mountainside. So Jesus had been somewhere and says, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. This guy with leprosy, he kneels at Jesus' feet and he says, Jesus, I don't know if you will, but I have faith that you can, if you want to, heal me. And Jesus says, I want to. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. He said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now I can just imagine that at that point in time, Jesus kind of gets like a golf clap, like, oh, this is Jesus doing another miracle. That's kind of what the crowds had come to expect from him. But then things move on. And when Jesus returned to Capernaum, so when he'd finished traveling down the mountainside, a Roman officer. Now, some translations uh, don't say Roman officer. They say centurion. And a centurion is a Roman officer who had a hundred men under his control. Now, you imagine your Jesus and his boys, and they've come down off the mountainside. They're work, walking into Capernaum, and then a Roman officer, probably flanked by a couple of his boys, begin to walk up to him. And this is when their heart would have started racing, their palms would have started sweating because the Romans were the enemies. The Roman soldiers were the kind of people that walked up to people in the street and said, you, 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 come with me. And they were never heard from again. These are the bad guys, not the good guys. And Matthew continues, because something unexpected happens. It says, when the Roman officer came up to him and pleaded with him. And this would have taken everyone 
by surprise. He said, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And I'm reading into this because Matthew doesn't record this, but I could imagine Jesus as followers going, Jesus, this is, this is not the best idea. We're going to get run out of town by the people that are supposed to like us if we go and help this guy because no one likes these people. But it gets even more interesting because the Roman officer says, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. In other words, he's saying, Jesus, I've been watching you. I've been seeing what you're doing and, and the thing that you do, the healing stuff that you do, could you do it long distance? Like, could you do it via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or something? Like, I'm not sure how you do it, but I believe that you could do it. And if you think to yourself, well, that's a lot of faith. The Roman officer then goes on to explain the reasoning that he had that caused him to ask this of Jesus. He says, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. The reason, Jesus, that I think you can heal, the reason that I think you can do this long distance is because you and I actually have something in common. You and I are both under authority. Like I'm looking at you, Jesus, and when I look at you, I just see a normal person. And when you look at me, you just see an ordinary person. And so I'm thinking to myself, like I'm a normal guy, but I have a hundred men underneath me. And when I tell them to renew my Netflix subscription, they do. When I tell them to get me Subway for lunch, they do. When I tell them to run my errands and pick up my dry cleaning or pick up my laundry, they do. And the reason they do is not because I'm anyone special, but because of who I represent. I represent the Roman Empire. And Jesus, I've been watching you and I've been watching the way in which you interact with people. And, and I've seen disease and illness listen to you. And I don't know whose authority you're under, but you're under someone's authority that disease and illness would listen to you, someone big. And then he continues his thought process. He said, I only need to say go and they go and come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Now listen what happens next. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Jesus paused and Jesus went, wow. And what amazed Jesus wasn't someone's extraordinary levels of obedience. It was someone's extraordinary levels of faith. And then he says this, turning to those who followed him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Could you imagine being in the crowd as Jesus says that? It'd be kind of like having a cold shower first thing in the morning. That all these people who were followers of Jesus, had been following him around and they were religious leaders, but this act of faith by this Roman centurion blew Jesus' mind and it wasn't a big act of obedience. For all we know, this Roman centurion was someone who still worshipped Zeus, was someone who'd never been to church, was someone who wouldn't have known what the Ten Commandments were, but he recognized who Jesus was and somehow connected the fact that Jesus represented or was under the authority of the creator of the world. And he put two and two together and he expressed that faith. Now, this exchange leads us to ask the question, well, if God is into big, big faith, what results in big, big faith? And what are the things that allow us to lean in? What are the things that allow us to actually figure faith out? Really, the question you could ask is, well, well what are the things that allow us or help us to figure faith out? 
And well, when Beyond began five years ago, we were looking into different approaches and different ways to do community and church. And we came across, across a group of thinkers who identified five things. You know, they're not ordered things. You don't go through them in a sequence. You don't go through them in a pro, uh, process. They're, but they're five things. And we would actually call them catalysts. Five catalysts that help people figure faith out. And over the past five years, particularly around baptism stories, but when you talk to people and when we talk to people at Beyond about their faith journey, these five things pop up over and over and over and over again. And these five things, you won't find them anywhere in the documents that are called the Bible. And you might look at this list and you might say, well, I think there's a fifth and, and that's okay. Or you might look at this and you say, ah, I think there's really only three. But what we call these things at Beyond, we call them the five faith, five faith catalysts. And we're going to look through this series at, at each of these, whether it's here at the Beyond at Home experience or whether it's in our Beyond the Message podcast throughout this Next couple of weeks, we're going to cover all five of these faith catalysts. And they all start with the letter P, and I'll let you know what they are really, really quickly. The first one is practical teaching. We've discovered that when anyone has helped to figure faith out, there's always been an element of practical teaching. You know, when they share their faith journey, they always say, hey, there was a moment when all of a sudden it began to make sense, when all of a sudden this wasn't something out there, but I began to see how it applied to my life. There's something that we call providential relationships. There's always a part in someone's story where they say, you know what, I met someone. I was introduced to a group of people and I can't explain it. I can't put my finger on it, but it's almost like God brought these people into my life. It's like God wove their story into my story to help me navigate life. There's always a part of people's story where they start to talk about the third catalyst, which is private disciplines. Whether it's, I began to pray regularly and things changed, or I began to read my Bible in a new way, and I actually began to sit down at a time and a place, and, and I began to read it, and like, it was like the words began to become alive. The fourth catalyst is this thing called personal ministry, where, where someone asked me to serve, or, or, or someone took a risk on me, and I wasn't sure, and I didn't know if I'd be good at it, and I wasn't even sure if, if I was the person who should be doing it, but all of a sudden, it began to blow my faith up. It began to help me figure faith out. And the last one is pivotal circumstances. Usually there's a part of someone's faith story where they say, well, well, then there was a death. Well, then there was a divorce. Then there was a marriage. Then we lost the baby. Or then we had a baby. Or, or there was a moment that their faith really could have gone either way. But God used that pivotal circumstance to help them lean in and to help them figure faith out for themselves. And as I said, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at each of these, whether that's here at Beyond at Home or whether that's in our Beyond the Message podcast. So before you leave, before you jump into the rest of your week or whatever you've got going on today, here's what I want you to do. And the application part of our message is just called our Four Monday. Here's what the Four Monday for this week. I want you to look those five faith catalysts in your life this week and see where you've seen them. Maybe you're trying to figure faith out and you might go, you know what? I actually don't have any of these in my life at the moment. Maybe I need to begin to explore them a little bit more to help me figure faith out. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you just feel kind of stagnant or slow in the journey. You just feel like I'm not growing or I just, there's something, this connection doesn't seem to be there that it was in the beginning. 
I just encourage you, look at for the catalyst in your life this week. And maybe you look and you go, you know what? Practical teaching or private disciplines or something is missing. Then I don't want you to do anything else, but I want you to tune back in next week as we continue our series, Figuring Faith Out. We'll see you during the week on social media.